Welcome to She's Running. This is the podcast dedicated to talking to women who are running for office locally, nationally, and everything in between. I'm Emily Jackson. Today I've got a great conversation with Vanessa Aronson, who is running for city council in New York City. One of the things I really love about getting to talk to all these candidates is learning how different each race is. Just because two people are running for seemingly the same seat but in different locations, that doesn't mean the races are at all alike. Vanessa's city council race will probably cost as much as some state senate races, and she's got a campaign full-time, which is so intense. Frequently, I chat with my guests after we stop recording, and sometimes some really great things come out of these conversations. And after our conversation was over, I chatted with Vanessa for a bit. She was super gracious and sweet and actually asked me a lot of questions. Then she lightly chastised me for not revealing something about myself that went along with our conversation. And here's the thing, I wasn't not mentioning it, and I probably have talked about it before. But because Vanessa did an uncanny impression of my mother in those few minutes, here you go. Vanessa talks about how she wanted to be a politician starting in kindergarten, when her teacher explained what that is in a very sweet and idyllic way. And I told her after the mics were off, one of the first things that I remember that I wanted to be when I grew up was the president. (laughs) I actually remember wanting to be the first woman president. I practiced speeches and I thought about how cool it would be not only to be the president, which was a big deal, obviously, but to be the first woman president. I liked the idea of being a trailblazer, I think. At some point along the way, I hoped I wasn't the first. I think I realized how long that I would have to wait till I was old enough to be elected. Because, I mean, I was in elementary school. And I knew that I didn't want to wait that long for there to be a woman as our president. And I was okay with being the second. So there you go. (laughs) There's a little insight into me. Uh, Remember last week how I said I love politics? I really, really wasn't kidding. Okay, so you sent me this great email. So congratulations, you are a great uh, promoter of yourself here. Um, <laughs> and you. I didn't, I didn't even get past the subject line, and I was like, okay, I need to ha- to have a conversation with her. <laughs> oh my goodness! It was running in Donald Trump's city council district. That is correct. It's true. I mean, how could I, how could I not want to talk to you about your <laughs> campaign? <laughs> So, we know where you're running. Why don't you introduce yourself? Sure. I'm Vanessa Aronson, and I'm running for city council in New York City in the 4th Council District, which comprises of the east side of Manhattan from 98th Street North down to 14th Street South, uh, which with a lot of uh, variation in between there. (laughs) (laughs) What motivated you to run for city council? Well, I will say that I've actually wanted to run for office since I was in kindergarten. And really? My, yeah. <laughs> um, my teacher, um, Mrs. Ulrich, taught me that a politician was a person who listened to people's stories and helped them. And that oh my really. God, that's adorable. <laughs> um, that really stuck with me. And it became. A dream of mine, I I will admit, you know, it was a competing dream with 
winning an Academy Award or an Olympic gold medal in ice skating. Um, neither one of those mm-hmm. that is <laughs> actually uh, realistic, but it was something that I, I always sort of kept with me. And, um, and and then in first grade, I remember the teacher was asking for representatives for the student council. And I, I remember raising my hand. Um, and I, you know, I did student government, student council all the way through college. And I was really interested in the government. I will also have to say my family is apolitical, um, mm-hmm. not at all you know, politics was not something that we talked about uh, in my household. In fact, um, I remember also going to the library in high school to research what a Democrat and what a Republican were because I didn't know, you know, what party I belonged to. That's so interesting that you were so politically motivated from a young age and your family is not, like, political Yeah, that. that that's so interesting to me. Well, they were interested in, um, in you know, when they taught me to help people and the importance right. of just being a good person and being involved in your community. Um, but politics was not something uh, kind of on my radar. In fact, um, my dad died when I was nine years old, suddenly. Mm-hmm. Um, he had a, a heart attack actually on his birthday and and Ooh. passed away that that same day and it's it's interest the reason i bring that up is because i don't actually know really what political party he belonged to um mm-hmm. and i don't really know what he would think about me running now um i mean i can guess and i can hope uh, but it's an interesting thing to sort of not really know um what his thoughts would be um but I would, I would hope he would be encouraging. And my mother is. My mother is absolutely, yeah. um, you know, super thrilled and not, a, not uh, uh, what's the word? Not surprised. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm sorry for your loss. And I'm sure that, you know, you going after a dream you've had since kindergarten would, <laughs> would pr- make him proud. Thanks. Thanks. Yeah. Uh, no, it's uh, it's it's been it's been amazing, and this is why I was really excited uh, when a friend of mine reached out and told me about your podcast um, because I really think it's great to try to encourage other people to run because for me this process has been absolutely amazing, and I really think it you know, will end up being a life-changing experience for me. Mm-hmm. And um, and I think more people should realize that this is possible. So what is the makeup of your, uh, I guess, is it district when it's city yep. council? Yeah. Okay. There are um, 200,000 constituents or approximately in the district. Um, mm-hmm. So far as... New York City Council districts go, it's a relatively privileged district um, mm-hmm. when it comes to sort of socioeconomic indicators. It's it's one of the highest ranking districts with the lowest uh, unemployment, pretty low uh, health and or pretty high health indicators, pretty low. Um, you know, it's it's a district of, of relative um, privilege, which right. is. Um, you know, a really, for me, 
represented a community that I could really, um, you know, leverage to get more involved in, in the political process and uh, on the issues that I really care about. I would imagine that you being a young newcomer to the political scene is going to be tough for you to kind of break in in that kind in that environment. I am 100% stereotyping here, so please <laughs> correct me if I'm wrong. Um, I will give you that I am a bit of a political outsider. So mm-hmm. my background, um, I'm a New York City public school teacher. Uh, I mm-hmm. taught in a middle school up in Washington Heights, uh, sixth and seventh grade math. And before that, though, I uh, worked in the federal government for a long period of time. Um, I was a fellow with the State Department, and then I was a Foreign Service officer. Um, so I was a diplomat representing the United States overseas and at the UN in my district. Um, so I'm not a stranger to the government or public policy, but I am mm-hmm. a newcomer to politics. Part okay. of the reason is that when I was working for the federal government, I had to keep pretty uh, neutral um, on the local political scene. And then, you know, as a teacher, actually, most recently had a, had a federal grant. And so similarly, I'm, I'm, I'm somebody who likes to play by the rules. <laughs> so, um, you know, I was uh, so when it comes to really local politics, I am a, a newcomer. Um, I'm not the youngest in this race, though. Actually, it's a lot of first-time candidates, and I'm, mm-hmm. I'm the same age um, that the current council member was when he won the seat 12 years ago. Okay. Um, he's term-limited out, so uh, I'm not running against an incumbent. Uh, it's an open seat. So what has the process been like for you so far? Well, for me, it was really after the presidential election, um, it, there was a, an organization of teachers who came to me and said, uh, you know, Vanessa, you've indicated that someday you wanted to run for office. Did you realize your city council seat is open right now? So that was in November. And, and I will admit, even though I have always wanted to do this, and even though mm-hmm. I've had a lot of opportunities to think about this, I still, my first reaction was, oh, no, 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 no. I couldn't possibly. (laughs) You know, uh, so first I said, I think I told them the timing wasn't right, which is kind of funny because the timing is actually perfect. Um, But then, (laughs) strangely enough, I was at a workshop um, with a a famous musical theater actress named Joanna Gleason. And I was Mm -hmm. just taking this workshop for fun um, because I love musical theater. And she was just really inspiring. She was talking to a group of mostly, you know, uh, up and coming and sometimes struggling actors and said, you know, and this is, again, right in the wake of the... um, presidential election and she was just being very inspiring about taking a chance on yourself and believing in in yourself and allowing uh allowing yourself to do what you're genuinely meant to do um 
And I walked out of that workshop and said, maybe I should run for office. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So in the beginning, though, I spent from about November until March really thinking about it. Um, I looked at the current, at the time, field of candidates. Um, I spoke to as many sort of local community leaders about my candidacy, about my potential candidacy as possible. Um, you know, I asked about what, what it would mean for me, what it would mean for me to actually enter the race. Did I have a perspective that would uh, bring something different to the table? Um, was I a viable candidate? Um, and I will tell you, at the beginning of every conversation um, with people that I didn't know, uh, the first reaction was, you want to do what? <laughs> um, <laughs> and But by the end, um, you know, every single person I talked to said, you know what, you should go for it. Even if they told me that they were previously supporting somebody else and couldn't overtly support me, um, mm-hmm. they said I should go for it. So, so in March, uh, actually, uh, on the on the day of my my father's birthday and the day of his death, uh, it was a Friday this year, and so I decided to use that as the day to run around the city and file up all of the paperwork and officially be a candidate. So since then, it's it's really been whirlwind. Um, I'm running full time, uh, which is oh wow yeah it's a it's a I think all of the candidates at this point are running full time. Um, so it's it's a privilege that I have to be able to do so. Um, I'm acutely aware that there are many people in my city, you know, across the country who would be amazing uh, elected representatives, but might not be in the position to quit their job to run or might not have uh, a network from whom they can fundraise or, you know, might not feel empowered in that way. So the fact that I am in a position where I could do this full time uh, is is really I'm really grateful for it. And yeah, so we've just been trying to uh, uh, fundraise, trying to meet as many people as possible, uh, going through uh, the endorsement process for local organizations and unions and elected officials. Um, there is a debate tomorrow. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, gearing up for that, which is exciting. And every day is completely different. When is your your actual election date? The primary is on September 12th. And the general election um, is in November. So Um, how many are you uh, running against in your primary? Well, when I filed back in March, um, which isn't that long ago now, uh, there were four candidates. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think as of Oh, sorry, in the Democratic primary. And I think as of today, there are now nine of us. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Um, but I think it's a really good thing. It's The seat hasn't been open for 12 years. You know, there's a lot of first-time candidates. Um, and, and I think it speaks very highly of the current leadership in the district, that there are enough people who feel empowered and want to continue his tradition of leadership. Um, mm-hmm. And frankly, it's, it's good for the community to have options. Um, 
So, but I am, as you mentioned, I am the outsider. Um, most of the other candidates have worked for local elected officials as staffers or um, in some capacity. And so that I'm, I'm the only one who's worked in the federal government. I'm the only teacher, but I'm, I don't have that uh, connections that some of the people who have worked for local officials have. And is city council person like a full-time paid job? It is. It really is. It's a full-time job. You're not allowed to take any income from uh, any other sources when you're when uh-huh. you're in the position. It pays very well. Um, it, the salary they uh, the current city council just raised the salary to one hundred and fifty-five thousand dollars, which wow. I know we live in an expensive city, but that's a very well-paying <laughs> government job. Yeah, it, it's it, but you know, but I think it's a good example of um, if we pay our government officials well, um, it can it can keep some of the corruption out, um, some of the you know, and if we make it a full full time job. Mm-hmm. So so far as legislative bodies go, the the city council has a the New York City Council has a lot of potential for doing some really good work. There's still changes that need to be done. <laughs> there's, still, <laughs> yeah. there's still some reform and there's still changes and still work to be done, but at least it has some of the foundations of, of being a well-operating, well-operating legislative body. Have you faced any obstacles in your campaign so far? Uh, yes. Um, you know, not having, uh, being an outsider and not having sort of the support of the local political clubs has been... I I wouldn't say challenging. It's been a, a something that I knew was a reality from the beginning, um, mm-hmm. but we've had to just then be creative about um, our volunteer base. I have a lot of teachers supporting me, so in uh, the next week or so, they'll all become much more available because school goes until <laughs> the end of June in New York. <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to think. It's. it's really been a positive experience for me. Um, We have a a long road ahead. Um, When there's so many people in a race, you really have to try to differentiate yourself. Um, But, but so far it's, it's really been positive. I've heard of a few mutterings of um, apparently somebody was telling people on the street, street that I had dropped out, which is not the case. Oh, um, no. Yeah. But that's, you know, it's to be expected. Um, I think uh, I've had a, an internet troll on my Facebook page saying crazy things. Um, but, you know, well, at I, some point. I'm pretty sure that means you've made it once you get <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. No, it, it's, uh, um, yeah, it, it's definitely when you come in with your eyes open as to what to expect, and I'm I'm sure something will come up along the along the campaign trail that will, uh, you know, be a challenge to overcome. But so far, um, you know, so far the hardest part has really been um, realizing and understanding and being okay with the fact that you can't be at all places at all times and you Mm -hmm. can't be everything to everyone um that's probably been the hardest thing it's really easy to 
look at all of the amazing events happening, look at all of the other candidates and what they're doing and say, oh my gosh, how can I possibly keep up? How can I possibly, you know, and just see everything as a, um, it's easy to get caught up in your own head about the opportunities that you're missing out on. Mm -hmm. Um, But trying to stay focused on, you know, the, what you are doing Um, for me, what's made that easy is focusing on the people that I'm meeting. Um, you know, I, I, my favorite part so far is been now that the weather is nice being out on the, on the corner talking to people. It's been amazing. And it turns out, (laughs) it turns out you can stand on the street and talk to people. And so long as you have a clipboard in your hands, nobody thinks you're crazy. (laughs) (laughs) So that's been, that's been my favorite part. And, you know, I've just met so many amazing people um, in a short amount of time. You know, I've only been doing this now for a few months. And uh, I've made, you know, really close new friends. I've learned so much about um, a lot of really interesting local issues. Um, and yeah, I've just, I've just met so many amazing people that when I focus on that, um, then, it's, then I can just keep moving forward, keep putting one foot in front of the other and, and keep moving forward. What has surprised you the most about running for office? Huh. Um, that's a good question. Um, <laughs> you know, it might be, well, no. I, I guess on the one hand, how small the the political world is. Everybody knows everybody. Um, but then at the same time, how big my community is. Um, so, there, so, like I said, on the one hand, some, some days it feels like everybody is connected. Um, and, and again, that can, as an outsider, can feel, um, can be a little intimidating. But then... I've, I've, in my district, there's a lot of really interesting little pockets of communities um, that I knew about but hadn't spent much time in, frankly. And so now I've had this opportunity to, um, you know, really go out there and see every nook and cranny of my community. And, um, and that's when the world feels really big. Like there's so many more people to talk to. There's so many more perspectives to get. Um, and there's so many more voices that need to be heard that aren't being heard by the community of people who all know each other. (laughs) (laughs) So what are some of your core issues? Well, um, being a teacher, education uh, is really important to me. Um, when it comes to 
well, New York City actually is is rated one of the lowest cities in the country by the Federal Department of Education when it comes to the services that we provide for students with special needs. Uh, there was a study done by uh, the UFT, the teachers union, that showed that 40% of the services that these students are entitled to by federal law are not happening in New York City. Um, Whoa. Yeah. That's so, huge. Mm -hmm. And I, you know, I'm, I've been learning a lot to try to get to the bottom of the issue. I think one, one piece in particular, and, and from my experience, what I can speak to is, you know, there's a lack of, of teachers with special education certification in New York City. Um, mm -hmm. So when I, my very first year teaching, I was uh, given a integrated co-teaching class, ICT class. And, um, you know, I showed up the first day and said, wait a second, what's the co part of the co-teaching? So an integrated co-teaching class is a class that has 40% uh, of less of the students have IEPs, individualized education plans, which means okay. that they're entitled to um, additional services that might be uh, extra time on tests, maybe having um, additional visual materials made for them during the lessons, or having a second teacher in the classroom. And so an ICT class is supposed to have two teachers in the classroom. And, um, you know, my class, I, did, I didn't have that. Uh, so I, I went to the union, which helped me advocate on behalf of my students and ensure that we had a second teacher. But even still, um, when we were a second teacher with special education certification was assigned to our classroom, oftentimes she had so many other responsibilities on her plate that sometimes she, you know, would have to miss our class. And, um, you know, I don't blame her. I don't blame the administration. I think it's really a lack of resources and a lack of teachers who have have this um, this certifications. But but it's it's a real problem for New York City. Um, almost 20 percent of our student population has. Uh, is identified as having some special needs, uh, having individualized education plans. And currently the city budget only allocates 4% of the Department of Education's budget to these special education services. So I think it, you know, it needs to be a priority. In my district, there is a problem with a lack of seats in our, in our local schools. Uh, so when people, you know, are buying uh, an apartment or a place to live or renting often the school district is, or the local school is is on you know a selling point right mm -hmm. but in our community uh the the schools are are oversubscribed and so some of some people will find that they have to bus their kindergartner across town to get to school so we really need to be better at planning ahead and, and using things like predictive analytics. If we could use that to, to predict the stock market, we should be able to predict what are, <laughs> what, what are, what's happening in our schools. Overall, in, the, in my district, uh, affordability remains a really big issue. It's, it's one of the most expensive districts, and there's not enough affordable housing. Uh, currently, affordable housing law is decided in Albany by the state government. 
Um, so that's something that needs to, to be changed, that New York City can actually make decisions about its affordable housing policy. And sim- on a, the flip side of the same coin, commercial real estate is, is really expensive. And we're ha- we have a huge problem with vacant storefronts in my community. Um, right where I live on the Upper East Side on Madison Avenue, which... Uh, I don't know if you know New York, but is a um, uh, you know Madison Avenue is is a very prime shopping district, mm-hmm. and from in a one square uh, twenty block strip from fifty seventh to seventy seventh, there's currently forty vacant storefronts. Um, wow! Yeah, it's it's a real problem right now. I think there needs to be uh, better incentives in play to get landlords to, you know, lease those spaces, not keep them vacant um, and, and give a chance to, you know, budding small businesses. And we need to protect the small businesses that already exist. I'm trying to run through. <laughs> Sorry, I'm, I'm rambling. Well, uh, no. <laughs> uh, listen, I'm not in your district, but you are hitting all my buttons here. <laughs> Actually, I don't know where you are. I've I've I'm listened in- to your podcast, so I don't know where you are. I feel like I talk about it a lot. I'm in Texas. Oh um, yes, of course, of course. I'm, <laughs> I, well, and see, here's the thing: I'm a Texas transplant, so I've only been here a few years. But I have found that Texans talk about Texas a lot, and oh I am doing goodness. it more and more now. So now I'm very conscious about like, well, I'm here in Texas, and. <laughs> But um, I was going to say, so being I am a data nerd at heart, so the using predictive analytics, my, my ears perked up at that. And <laughs> my, my mom was a um, special ed teacher for oh her whole career. Yeah, wow. she's retired now. So I just, I can Is remember, she taught in you know, Florida? No, she actually taught in Arkansas. Oh, my goodness. Um, yeah, so I, you know, she... She was always, you know, bringing IEPs home and she was, right. you know, lots of, lots of paperwork for all of her kids. I just, I, I have vivid images of her sitting in front of the TV doing all that paperwork. So I know what you're talking about with that. Yeah. And, you know, what's interesting is that when I became a teacher, I thought that the most important issues I was going to think about were test scores and how yeah. to you, reform the math curriculum. Um, but what I found was that the challenges that my students faced, both in the in the education system, but also, also outside of school, really impacted, you know, their experience in, in school, in the classroom. Um, I had mm-hmm. one student who used a wheelchair uh, she had been in an accident a few years prior and had a double hip replacement. And wow. so she used a wheelchair. And um, we we grow, grew very close. Um, when I was a baby, I had – a few months after I was born, my mother noticed that I had no muscle tone from the waist down. Mm-hmm. And um, doctors uh, – told my parents they thought I had cerebral palsy and they said, you know, I might not ever walk. And so my mother put me into physical therapy 
And I ended up being very, very lucky and managed through, you know, years of, of physical therapy and, and uh, help. You know, I'll never be the most coordinated person in the room. <laughs> <laughs> I'll never be an athlete. So, uh, but, um, you know, I, I became really lucky. And so when the students, uh, Virginia, entered my classroom, I, I really felt a kinship with her. And uh, she hung out with me while the rest of her class went to gym class. Um, mm -hmm. And what I learned was she was commuting from Brooklyn all the way to our school in Washington Heights, which is about an hour and a half commute, you know, one way. She was wow. commuting every single day by herself as a 12-year-old to our school because our school had an elevator and the subway station nearby had an elevator. And in New York City, that was a combination that was hard to, hard to find. And, you know, even, even beyond that, every once in a while, she would not show up at school. And what would happen is she would get all the way to Washington Heights and find that the elevator was out. And anybody in New York knows that this is a very common occurrence. And <laughs> despite the fact that it would just be really easy to list this on a website, it, the, the elevator outages don't ever seem to be updated. But as a 12-year-old, she told me she had, you know, two options uh, when she would get to the subway station and find that the elevator was out. She could call the fire department and ask, you know, wait for them to come to lift her out. Mm -hmm. uh, or she could turn around and go home. Um, and so, you know, that was something that really impacted me. I thought, you know, New York really should be doing better than this. Um, so uh, transportation actually is a really important issue to me. Uh, less than 20% of the subway stations in New York are uh, wheelchair accessible. And that's on a good day when all the elevators are working. Um, mm -hmm. And again, that's just something that for a for a city that is, you know, supposedly progressive, that is one of the richest cities in the world. I think it's just unacceptable that we've we've really forgotten about people, um, the most vulnerable people in our community, people with disabilities, students with special needs, um, and frankly, I don't trust that our federal government is going to look out for these communities. And so I, I really think that the city needs to do something to ensure that, um, that we protect, protect their voices and protect, you know, the values that we hold dear in New York. Well, if people are listening right now and they want to join your army of volunteer teachers, <laughs> where can they find you? Yeah, um, well, we have a website. Um, it's VanessaTAronson.com. Aronson has one A, so Vanessa, V-A-N-E-S-S-A-T-A-R-O-N-S-O-N.com. Yeah, I'm also on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram, all of the, <laughs> all of the things. <laughs> Yeah, I, I think it's really wonderful what you're doing. You know, part of part of the reason I'm running is because I really want to encourage other women to run. Um, and I feel like, you know, if you're going to talk the talk, you got to walk the walk. <laughs> <laughs> so if my experience can, can encourage anybody else to run, 
um, you know, I hope, I hope that they do. It's, it's really been, yeah, it's, it's really been, uh, such a positive experience. I, I mentioned to you earlier, I just came from, uh, an event with, uh, Mayor Bloomberg, um, and got to talk to him. <laughs> he said he's voting for me. I don't think that's an official endorsement, <laughs> but <laughs> I'm going to hold him to it though. <laughs> yeah. That's, that sounds like an endorsement. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so I think it's, I think it's really important, especially, especially right now that we get different voices and perspectives, um, when, you know, our our government is supposed to be representative, and uh, we need to ensure that it remains. You know that it is it is such. Well, I have so enjoyed talking to you, and I'm very excited for your campaign. I will be Thank rooting for you, you from you so half much. a country away. <laughs> oh my goodness! Yeah, it's been uh, yeah, it's been great. I got my uh, my Chihuahua has been out there uh, petitioning <laughs> with me. <laughs> My husband's on the trail. Um, we've got actually um, on Monday. I'm having a big fundraiser, so I, I guess I should have mentioned that as a surprising thing. I've never, <laughs> I've never uh, organized a fundraiser before, and uh, I chose um, because I'm really passionate about the arts and the performing arts and theater. I'm doing a campaign cabaret. Um, it's called Songs oh to Amplify Vulnerable Voices. So we've got Broadway singers and actors uh, participating in our in our show. We've got students um, who are performing and talking about the impact that arts have had uh, on their lives. Um, so I don't know if it, you know I, I don't know if that's really how you're supposed to do a fundraiser. <laughs> <laughs> But, you know, I think it'll be cool. <laughs> yeah. Who cares if that's how you're supposed to do it? That sounds awesome. Well, this has been great. Thank you so, for, so much for chatting with me. Thank you, Emily. I'm sorry if I've been uh, rambling, I feel like. No. No, I love it. <laughs> All right. Thanks for listening. And big thanks to Vanessa Aronson for chatting with me. <laughs> I really enjoyed this conversation so much. And I expect we'll see Vanessa in the political arena for a long, long time. Check out her campaign for New York City City Council at VanessaTAronson.com, on Facebook at Vanessa T. Aronson, and on Twitter, she's at Vanessa Aronson. No middle T. Thanks for listening to She's Running. You can find the show on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at at She's Running Pod. And I'm really working on building up our Instagram following. So if you're not following us, please, please do so. <laughs> I don't know why I'm obsessed with it right now. Um, please rate, review, and subscribe to She's Running on Apple Podcasts, iTunes, whatever. And tell your friends about the show. If you know of a candidate that you'd like to hear on the podcast, tweet at me or send me an email at she'srunningpod at gmail.com. I'm always ridiculously excited when I get recommendations. Next week, I've got Tara Gaston, who is running for supervisor in Saratoga Springs, New York. All right, that's it for this week. Thanks. Talk to you soon.